Uh, welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. I'm going to be joined by John. It's just Paul and John. There's no Ringo. There's no anyone else. This is the Love Sport Podcast. John, thank you for coming on the pod again, my friend. Mate, it's awesome to be here. What an amazing week. I've had the greatest week ever. Tell, tell us about your week for those who don't know about your sporting week. Well, I think as we sort of try to follow a bunch of sports, you have those moments where everything that you put so much time and love and devotion into over a period of time, it all comes together at once. And um, terrifically for me, I mean, I've, I've watched every, pretty much every NFL game of the season yeah. across every team this year. And, and I always get into it and listen to as many things as I can. And, you know, and it was just brilliant to think that I once again was able to get to the championship game and realise that what a waste of time that was. And I don't know how I feel because I go through this little personal missive every year where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers and I don't know how I feel about the the management of the team and and I just don't know. I, I just don't – I don't get this. That was fantastic. I mean, Monday was horn. Yeah. And then, but you roll into that, um, another two losses since we last spoke with the Magpies and playing realistically some of the worst football they have in the um, – Fat Cashley era, and it's just a joy to be around. I got to get, uh, yeah, get pummeled by our friend Sean this morning. Like I know he, he didn't directly, but it feels like that. And I think it was your guys last week, wasn't it? And yeah, um, on Saturday, and it's just like a, it's like a rainbow connection. <laughs> um, I love it, and um, I feel so good. And everyone out there probably knows that. When these moments arise, we all have lots of friends who like to immediately inform you that it's your fault. <laughs> and um, so I take full responsibility for both, for, for those events. Um, you know, I'm just waiting to hear whether the Queensland Reds have closed down because of uh, not paying their insurances or something. Oh, and, no uh, hope that'll happen. Yeah. And with um, the... Papua New Guinea and Raw based up there at Redcliffe. It's so far away. It's um, it's good times, mate. It's uh, sport. We we say it. It gives us so many moment, uh, moments of beauty, and it hurts us so much. And that's why we enjoy the good moments. So, you know, you really have to treasure them. And those people who go through years of their teams winning year after year after year. Um, let's go Manchester United or something like that. Those fans that have two or three lean years and are calling for everyone's head. I find it hilarious and I'm really happy I don't follow a team like that because of that. 
uh, if that makes any yeah, kind of sense at all. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Chelsea a bit later on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit torn now on how I feel about those things too because, honestly, I, I look at the um, shower of you-know-what that I follow and just the annual discussion about us and get, literally getting laughed at. Yeah. And I just go, you know what, I mean, at, at least you can't accuse Chelsea of lacking ambition. No, but uh, they don't wait very long, do they? We'll come on to that in the uh, second half of the podcast. pretty Machiavellian. I, I have to hurt you here a little bit, mate. We'll start off mm-hmm. uh, with the Bucks in the NFC Conference Championships, getting up 31-26 over your Packers. Um, you know, Brady, to me, I hate to say it, but, I mean, he's played in 18.8% of all Super Bowls that have ever been played. He, 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 I've been a Brady denier. And I know he didn't have his greatest game ever, but anyone who's played in, you know, what's he played in? Uh, 10 of ten of um, 55 Super Bowls. Yeah, he's I, played one, six, four, three. I, I don't know. He's, he's won. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how. He's won 11% of all Super Bowls ever played. I, I, it just blows my mind when you think of that kind of statistic, you know what I mean? Um, well, if we're just going to talk about Brady, I've got to take my hat off like you do and say that, it's very difficult to argue anything with um, with Tom. I I do believe that he's been uh, one of the he's been the greatest player of all time. But I also believe that in doing that, he's found ways of uh, of ensuring that he stays lucky. And um, and you know, uh, I think he, we I think we said it the other day, didn't we? If you had have given me three interceptions in the second half yep. with us having Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field and with us with three drives to try and win the game and not come away with anything more than the most ridiculous field goals who have been kicked, I would have said we won that game. Oh, there's no doubt. Even if you we, – we're not statistic-based, but if you go and look at the stats and you, and you put up Brady's stats versus Rodgers' stats and you didn't know anything else, you would go, oh, wow, uh, the Packers got up by 10. Because Rodgers did not have a horrendous game. He, he, he had a fairly decent game. Uh, I, I don't he know. shrunk away in the, in, in the last one and a half quarters when the game was there to be won. And look, Packers fans have seen that before. I, I, I think I love him. He's awesome and I wouldn't swap for anyone. But, you know, it's, it is a bit that way. It's like, well, come of the moment, come of the man. Now, yeah, we've had some amazing last gasp Hail Marys and stuff during games that weren't the NFC Championship game. Yeah. What about the decision, mate, to go for that field goal? I mean, I I personally couldn't believe it. I mean, I was a neutral in this game, a pure neutral. I actually wasn't going against anyone. Um, I wanted the Packers probably to get up for you. But um, that decision, mate, uh, from a neutral's point of view, I was blown away that you don't give one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time a chance to win the game. I actually was in shock when they rolled out. I, I like I, I was listening to Troy Aikman was talking about you know it's fourth down and all this and everyone's thinking the same thing. Well, it's two minutes to go. If we don't score, worst case scenario is the ball's going to be sitting there on their eight yard line. Yep. And the same defense that we're trusting to come out and and um, make a stop is going to do it anyway. If they're going to do it, uh, I couldn't believe it. It was like, what are you doing? The chances of Tom Brady not making a first down in the last two minutes are probably 
Oh, to me, if they're doing statistics analysis, are probably way higher than the chances of Aaron Rodgers not making that yeah. um, touchdown pass. So why would you do it? And just, you know what it was? It was that whole thing. It's like we're, we suck in big games. So and then we, had a, um, we had Mike McCarthy there doing the same things. We come up small in huge situations. Like the Packers have found ways to not win and they found ways to lose. That's two different things, right? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. That was a way to not win. You, you, you would have been – you would have – if you had a lost, if you had a gone for it on fourth down and lost, you would have gone, yes, we, we – you know, it wouldn't make you happy still. You don't want to lose. But at least you would have gone down swinging. This feels like you, you, you're, uh, your corner man threw in the towel when you'd only copped a couple of hits to the head. I can see it from the side too because the thing was I was rationalising it as the game was going as it continued on. Obviously, I was going to watch the last three plays with three timeouts and the um, and the two-minute warning and you're watching all those players. And like, so, you know, the very first play after they did that, they give up pretty much a first down, so much so that they walked out and gave a deliberate penalty after the two-minute warning. Yeah. So they gave them the first down, yep. which was one of the – I've never seen that before, but – yeah, that was a pretty smart play. That was a really um, smart play. Then they give up, um, you know, some yardage on a on a throw. But they're in a position now. The, the crazy thing is here, there was 20 or so seconds where I'm thinking, you know what, maybe Lafleur's an absolute genius. And this is, this is how knife-edge things get. Now, I have no doubt that the, um, the receiver from the Buccaneers was never catching that ball. He's got... A huge long undershirt hanging out of his back passage. Yep. That looked like toilet roll. And if you can tell me any other reason that that's there other than for that to happen, because when Kevin King tucks his, his shirt, he's not stopping him from going anywhere because it's like, it was like a thin film of plastic. And, I, and I'm looking at that going, the NFL used to be all about you have to have your shirt tucked and you've got to have your, your socks up. Yeah, everyone has to look exactly the same. Schmick and these undershirts, this might be something that no one's heard, but I've been thinking about it since. If his shirt was tucked in, he doesn't catch that ball and the Packers are driving and they get a touchdown, they win. And I'll live and die by it because you can't tell me otherwise that that shirt he's got on does anything for him at all. Oh, look, and if, it, if, if they're allowed to do it, they're going to do it. Uh, I'd be really surprised if there's not changes made because – so many people have commented on that. I think that, you know, the two big takes, three big takes from the game, that call when there was no other calls in the game, and I enjoyed the fact that they weren't calling uh, offensive and defensive pass interference. I was enjoying Yeah, and that. you have to – yeah, but the thing with that is that that's the thing is, you know, when they create that scenario, in any sport you like, when they decide to put the whistles away and just let them play, right? Yep. You leave the, a wide open door at the end for someone to get – over-officious or get a little bit trigger-happy and change the game. Now, if they'd been calling that all day, why don't I give a rats? Yep. Yep. I still would have been pissed off, but I'm, I'm not going to be, like, cutting my phone on the call. The very fact that everyone knew that there, anything was going that day, and, I mean, anything was going, and you could see it all over the place. And I'll tell you what the other thing was, the play before that, we rushed Tom Brady, and it looked to me as though we threw that ball straight into the ground in front of him, and he didn't want to take a hit. 
and no one brought up the fact that that was intentional grounding. And that should have been a loss of down there, which would have taken us to fourth down anyway. Do you know what I mean? Um, so no one mentioned that. And I- Mate, we uh, just dropped out there and you were saying that, um, you know, you don't make any calls all game and then you leave yourself open to those Tiggy Touchwood ones at the end. Um, so many things. I mean, you could say that decided the game, but there was just so many little things as we know in a tight game. Well, you know, and that's the thing. It comes down to, at the end of the game and, and in every sport will say, well, it wasn't just one call that changed the game. But if they're there at the end of the game, well, they do have an impact because that's a lot. There's nothing more you can do about it at that point. Um, and I think that's important. I think that the officials need to be, you know, um, consistent with what they're doing so everyone knows what's going on. And at the end of the day, you know, the first half, it was a, it was a game of two halves. It was, like, it was like the first half for me was like a bit of a, a Greek tragedy where it was, you know, my God, like for some reason we were able to stop them from running, but Tom Brady was throwing loosey-goosey downfield for most of the first half, our first half and converting on third down over and over again. If you're a Packers fan, you've seen that happen before. Usually it's in a crazy running way that people are doing things they've never done before, but you get first, you know, first time players on Lambo having their best game and, I, oh, and the, 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 the play at the end of the first half was oh that was, was yeah. I felt we were good at that point like and and if that doesn't happen well we're not having this conversation that was some of the poorest uh, coaching I've seen on defense I'm I think I know a bit about the game but I'm yeah. nowhere near as astute as those coaches are but I know in that situation you can't go playing you know single high safety with you know, um, press man corners when you've got a corner like Kevin King who is vulnerable, okay, yes. and can get caught out, and and they just they just picked on him and went straight behind him, and it was the same play that got the the Jets um, defensive corner fired. It was horrendous, and you knew he was going to do it. I mean, I mean, everyone watching knew what Brady. And look, the other thing, Brady took risks in the first half that I wasn't used to him taking. You know, one on one coverage it was pretty tight, and he was throwing up you know, contestable balls. So, look, everything went right for them in the end, even with all the intercepts. I think you only scored three points off three intercepts. I could be wrong there, but we didn't make and the Roger, most of those. Just before that play, um, yeah. uh, to set that up with not long left in the first half. So the Packers were driving at the end of the first half well, behind by a touchdown with a chance to either even it up or take some, put some points on the board and then come out and take the kickoff. Well, you know what? They did neither of those things. No, no. Well, and mate, well, the offense really let us down. I, I, I thought the offense, in all honesty, if you ask me where we lost that game, I'm going to tell you um, a little bit with the defensive calls as some key ones, but it wasn't the defense that cost us that game. It was the offense, and, and the offense goes to Aaron Rodgers, and he played a lot of small ball during that game. Yeah. And, look, will he... <laughs> I've got to talk in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. Will Rogers be a Packer next year? Yeah, for sure. Why would they let him go? They're only going to stand to save $5 million in cap space. He's, yep. the, he's the heart and soul of the franchise. He's the number one. Uh, well, he's, you know, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, he's, he's not going anywhere. Uh, you can say what you want about them drafting the number one, Jordan Love, and I said this all through the year. Don't really think that made a, 
any difference to to our to our player setup? Uh, no. I think that we talk about players having weapons. It never stopped Tom Brady, no. and we're loaded. We ha- we had we used to have great receivers all over the place. People said, "Oh, you know, we don't have a running game. That's the reason why Aaron can't win." All right, well, I tell you, the running game was flat out there. We've got three excellent running backs. We've got an amazing offensive line. We've got the number one ranked wide receiver in the NFL. And we've got a couple of guys who can make plays as the other guys. We've got an up-and-coming young tight end. You're like, you know what? Get on with it in a big situation and win us a championship game, man. Yeah. yeah. Very, very frustrating for you and, and for a lot of Packers fans around the world. We move on to the second game, and 38-24, I don't think, it, even when the Bills were up 9-0, um, they were never really in the game once, once uh, Kansas City got their game together. Mahomes, um, 325 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I think the story of the game was their two big weapons. Tyreek Hill, 172 yards of receiving, and their tight end, Travis Kelsey, uh, blocking and receiving uh, tight end, 118 yards and two touchdowns. This this was a walkover. The the scoreline flattered the Bills in the end. I I was watching it only because I felt I had to. Yeah. After what had happened previously, so I kind of sleptwalked through that game. But yeah. a couple of things I thought about as the game went on. The Bills got a, an amazing break at the start, and I was pretty. I, I enjoyed that. You know, everyone who listens to this would realise that I was hoping the Bills would win that game. I didn't really care that much in the end of the day um, because of what had just gone on, but I was still was thinking, yeah, uh, they had a big play on special teams, and usually that helps you get somewhere. Yeah. I thought they started to settle for field goals. I thought they spent way too much time being one-dimensional in offence. They allowed the uh, the Chiefs to dictate to them what they were doing on offense, and then the Chiefs just come out and run their own game. I mean, Mahomes is pretty much unstoppable with Tyreek Hill, but they were allowing them to sit, you know, in some kind of soft zones and areas where they could just keep picking them up, you know, running from, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and taking it away on those bubble screens and stuff. But you can't catch Tyreek Hill. Oh, absolutely. But I also think, what, and I watch this game pretty closely, I still marvel at some of the passes. I mean, you, we can just throw out stats like we do, and you have to with NFL a bit. But some of the passes Mahomes did whilst he was being tackled, we know he does it every week, but it was still amazing to watch. The, the, the arm strength he's got while going to ground, I've never seen. That's, you know, I mean, you probably have with Favre, but, um, you know, for me, I've never seen someone be able to pass the way he does. He's on his way to, well, he's already started an incredible career. He does things that only the true greats can do. Now, I've watched plenty of quarterbacks at the start of their career look out of this world. And I'll give you an example. Aaron Rodgers. Don't forget that when Rodgers first won the Super Bowl, he won three games on the road and then won the Super Bowl away from home as a a number six seed. And everyone was sitting. And then the next year, the Packers were 15 and one in the regular season got dusted out by the Giants in one of those games where you just shook your head. And it was the – I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the Chiefs under Romeo Cornell who snapped the the, uh, the winning streak. And how ironic is that? And then, you know, we've struggled to get back ever since. So whilst ever um, Mahomes has – you know, when you're hot, you're hot, has a hot hand, 
they have to keep going to it because in a couple of years' time, his salary cap hit's going to go up massively and things are going to change there. In the meantime, they've got Tyreek Hill. They've got, you know, they've got Kelsey. They've got a pretty, you know, their defense gets laughed at a bit. I think they're pretty robust. I like them. And, uh, I think their defense has gone through the roof in, in, in the space of, you know, 18 months. They've gone yeah. from being a laughing stock. They're a defense, you know, I've got no qualms. We don't, we don't need to talk about their defense. I think they their defense... Down, they shut down completely the hottest quarterback in the NFL. And I, and I, and I kid you not, like, to me, I... I think that over the course of the year, I, I nearly would have given my MVP vote to um, to um, Josh Allen. Yeah, and I wouldn't have been far off there. And he got shut down, and and he. I know he got shut down. I, I I know he was made to look ordinary, but he still tried his guts out. Like you know, I, I'm I not thinking he had the. He's that's okay. That's fine. He's in a learning process. Oh yeah, I mean, he almost got a hundred yards rushing himself. With it didn't look by design like it has in previous weeks, though. It looked like he was flushed out of situations he, he, he was comfortable in and was running for his life. And, I, you know, as bad as he played, I think he still played really well um, considering... There's a lot of good the game. to come from Josh Allen. And I look forward to watching the rest of his career. But in the meantime, I mean, I hope and like hell he steps up and becomes a great quarterback in that division because somebody needs to um, be a half-decent rival to Mahomes. Well, we've got some good, uh, got some good quarterbacks coming through again. Um, it looks like you know the most uh, quarterback depth that we've had in, in years and years, which is the game needs quarterbacks. It's built around them. All the marketing is built around them. And look, the Super Bowl, you know, you've got to wait almost two weeks. Um, it's going to be the first team ever to be playing at home in a Super Bowl. Um, so you know, we'll come next week. We'll do our predictions on that. But Tampa Bay hosting Kansas City Chiefs, um, Mahomes versus Brady. No matter what anyone says, we do match up quarterbacks, even though we know there's so much more to the game than that. So we'll cover that off. And we will include a piece from early in the year when we did an NFL-only pod about our uh, predictions for the year, John. So that'll be interesting to see how you and I matched up. Yeah, it is. And I I don't want to sound sour to anyone out there. I mean, honestly, um, one of the things about being a Packers fan is that Every year, the the club gives us something to cheer about until very late in the season. But I, I do often think that the further you go in a year, it does cut you deeper. Now, that's not. I'm not saying I've had it as bad as being a, a Browns fan or a Bills fan or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But the reality is, is I think that we're getting used to heartbreaking situations on an almost annual basis when you think we could have had two, three, four, maybe five Super Bowls in the last 30 years and to have two from three. And, you know, it it does hurt because you know and I know that Jordan Love's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. And you start to become, from a different sport, and everyone does this and we shouldn't, you start to become a bit of a Collingwood because I think they won in, two, yeah, they won in 2010 um, against St Kilda in a replay in the same year you guys have won. And it that, those years start to spread out, don't they? Because you're looking at next year will be 12 years. Um, so, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, you know. and there's all a whole bunch of young guns and, you know, seemingly Tom Brady's a cyborg and he won't die. And you go, well, I've got to take my hat off to the team. They went 13-3 and again two years in a row. Uh, yeah. I thought they improved out of sight this year. 
And I actually do trust the direction that we're heading in. I wouldn't surprise me next year if we go and win 14 and 2. And we'll see what happens from there. No, we definitely will. Well, that's our NFL wrap. John, I really appreciate the fact that you were able to be uh, so fair in that because I know how shattered you were uh, on Monday, mate. So well done. Look, we're going to briefly touch on cricket. Um, Matty Wade has been dropped from the squad, the touring squad. Um, so for the South, uh, sorry, South African tour. So um, looks like Alex Carey will move into the keeping duties. And probably Wade's last test, you'd think. Oh, yeah. Um, so what are they doing with um, the skipper? Well, well, that's true as well. So he'd be the wasn't backup. He, wasn't, so. he, wasn't, he, wasn't he kept on a skipper? So why would they be punting him from keeper? No, you, no you're right. Tim Payne, Tim Payne will stay captain. Um, but Matty Wade gone. Uh, Alex Carey will be the backup to Payne there. Um, oh, it's going to be a good series over in South Africa. And I think sometimes we get so focused on playing England or England-Australia and we get so focused on, um, you know, India and Australia that South Africa's kind of gone under the radar, but they're still a great team to watch. And so that's going to be a good series as well. Look, just a couple of thoughts on Matthew Wade. If I'm an Australian supporter, I'm not getting bent out of shape about him losing a, a, a number five or six batting spot. He, he had opportunities this year to cement that spot down. Um, and yep. he got some starts, and and I just don't believe that he's cut out at that level to bat down the order. The only place you could bat him, if he's a specialist batsman, is up the top of the order where he does in short and shorter cricket, and it's not made for him. And quite frankly, as a keeper, well, you can't, I, I've said this to you before. There's no way he was knocking Tim Payne out of the keep out of the keeper um, captaincy job. Um, no. So that's see you later. Like it's nice to hang around the team, but sometimes someone's going to take that spot. And uh, here comes Kerry, who looks like a much better prospect than both of them. And then you've got a couple other. You got Moses Onrikis getting a recall. Um, Michael Nessa, uh, Mitchell Swepson. So they've brought in a couple of experience, but they're bringing in new players as well. So. Um, Look, not the squad that I would have thought we would have picked, but maybe it is um, uh, kind of like a, a bit of a testing ground, which is really weird to say against um, South Africa. But it'll be interesting to see how the team kind of transitions. I'm actually pretty excited about some of the inclusions there as well. Well, I think they um, man job for like nearly two years, so they've got to play him at some point. Yeah, and I, I hope he plays. Um, I also really love having, uh, I think, Steckity's in there as well from Queensland. He's a really nice guy. I know that doesn't mean anything, um, but I, I love seeing I love seeing uh, new guys come into any kind of squad. So that's interesting. And I know you're not a BBL fan, John, and that anyone who listens to this podcast would know that you're not a hater. You're just not not something you're too overly interested in. No, I have been studying the finals format for the BBL. Let me take you through. And you can't work can, it. Um, oh, look. I don't think I'm particularly bad at maths. I thought I was quite strong at it. Yeah. So Friday Friday night, we've got an eliminator. We've got the heat taking on the strikers. So that's the eliminator, okay? Then on Saturday the 30th, we've got the qualifier, which is the Sixers hosting the Scorchers. Which is the two top teams. And, and so the middle team gets a bye, yeah? Yeah, in a game called the Knockout, which is on Sunday, which is the Sydney Thunder playing the winner of the Heat and the Strikers. 
So the loser of the qualifier, the Sixers and the Scorchers, plays in a challenger with the winner of the knockout and the winner of the qualifier goes into the final straight in. So the winner of Sixers and Scorchers goes straight into the final and then the knockout game with the Sydney Thunder playing the winner of the Eliminator, the winner of the knockout goes into the final. It just seems overly convoluted for five teams in a final. When everyone knows that what they should have done was play 2v3, 4v5, five disappears. The winner there goes, plays there, you go to the final, and you get one more chance back, you come. Which is what they used to do in the VFL many years ago. Mate, they um, you know, the, in the rugby league for years. Yeah, yeah, same thing. They both comps did it, and mm. it was great. You, you know, you finish top, you've, you, you're through, you know, and I, I just think it's overly convoluted, and even the names sound ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds like, um, remember that show, It's a Knockout? Yeah. The Eliminator, the Qualifier, the Knockout, the Challenger, the Final. Like, literally, that is the names they've given to the BBL Finals. Well, and the way now, the BBL goes, I, I mean, you know, if you don't play for a couple of days, uh, it seems like half the team disappears to another country. So, I, I don't want to... meantime, with the with the the team that wins the the qualifier, um, maybe half of their squad will head home to um, Afghanistan if they win, and they'll be left to have to actually play local players. I mean, we're not people who put you know we try not to put down ideas and we encourage new ideas but this honestly feels a little bit convoluted for me to have to look at a graphic to try and work out what's going to happen is not the way a final system should work don't you reckon like well yeah absolutely anyway. they wanted an extra team in because the the obviously they have only having four teams wasn't good for revenue the no. season seems to have been going since since pre-covid uh, look, I mean, some of the cricket in the last few days in the BBL, it's actually been fantastic batting, some, you know, some really good cricket. But this final series, you know, good luck to it. I'm sure it'll do really well in the ratings. But the fact that we've got the eliminator, the qualifier, the knockout, the challenger, then the final just has done my head in, to be honest. So well, I, hope the, uh, I hope the heat can keep going. So it'd be nice to see them go well. I, I watched the game last night, the, the final game, and... Um, Gee, I'm, I tell you what, after that one point wasn't available anymore, the, gee, it was... Uh, wasn't that a fizzer after that? It was a good chance to Mate, get uh, early. I'm not sure why they didn't call the Eliminator the Fredrickson uh, final or something, because I, I worked for both the uh, Heat and the Strikers uh, for a period of time. So they could have given me some credit there. I reckon I'd be one of the only who's worked for both. Uh, maybe Darren Lehman has. But uh, anyway, that's enough of that. We'll, um, we'll cover a bit of the BBL before the final, because I know John is super excited. Michael Neeson would have played what, for both, rap- wouldn't he? 100%. Oh, oh no. I don't think he did play for the Strikers. You sure? But, hey, is it Ben Lachlan? I'm pretty sure. Ben Lachlan played for both. Absolutely. Um, mate, that's end of part. Ancelo. This is Gundogan. And that is simply fantastic from Ilkay Gundogan. It's what Manchester City are all about, and it is what Gundogan is all about. Six in his last eight Premier League games. Flags up eventually against Bernardo Silva. Well, we 
are going to have a VAR check on this because there is a suggestion that the flag was raised and Manchester City may well feel aggrieved because when that ball was played, as you can see, it looks like it was an incorrect call. And the decision is a goal and this is quite dramatic. Back to the second part of our podcast and um, AFLW kicks off this weekend. It's really going to be tough for the ladies, the girls to play in the temperatures they're going to play in around the country. Um, Carlton Collingwood kicking off on Thursday night. Uh, Gold Coast taking on Melbourne at Metricon Geelong, taking on North. St Kilda and the Bulldogs on Friday night as well. Uh, West Coast taking on Adelaide and Richmond taking on Brisbane. So um, it's been a lot of consternation about some of the grounds. Um, I'll just give you an example. Richmond has decided to play all their games at Punt Road, which is the same dimensions as the MCG, the ground now, but it only has 2,500 people there. So unfortunately, um, Melbourne-based Brisbane fans have largely missed out uh, on being able to go. So the traditional Fitzroy supporters and so forth. But isn't that, if you think about it, it's kind of exciting that people are saying, I can't believe I'm missing out because they're not getting tickets for free now. You have to pay for the tickets or have an AFLW membership. Would, I kind of like the fact that people are missing out. Would have been pretty in, that did not come out right. Punt Road, man. That would have been... That, Sorry, mate? Super special to get to play at Punt Road, I think. Well, we haven't played there since uh, 67 as, as a senior team, mm. but um, the ground will be developed over the next year or two to fit, I think, 7,000 which is absolutely perfect for the AFLW. And that's been the big talking point, is that Richmond sold out their game, could have moved it to Icon Park, which fits 30,000, but they wouldn't have got 30,000. So it's had a conversation about AFLW this week that that I haven't seen any advertising for it. I'm not sure if you have. Um, I haven't seen billboards. I haven't seen a lot of stuff. So the fact that there's a conversation about AFLW um, we'll come out with the results each week. We won't do any tipping or anything at the moment. We just don't know enough about a lot of the teams. But women's sport is absolutely on the up and up. And we're not tokenistic about it. You've coached women's teams. I've coached and worked in women's sport. I think this is exciting to see, um, what, 12 teams in a competition. Well, I've got a bit it's of a dilemma. So. Maybe some of our people out there can tell me what, which way I should jump. I don't know whether there's eagle zag. Now, you know, I'm a Lions supported through and through. However, the Suns AFLW team this weekend will be featuring two of my former rugby girls from Miami State High. Um, and they'll both be starting. One's in the midfield and one's down back. And, uh, yeah, and I'm, I would go for the Lions this year, but actually, you know what, I think I more need to go for the Suns because I'm really keen to watch them play. And you've got an affiliation, as you said, with um, girls who've played in the team. And, and I worked uh, with um, a cricketer from, in South Australia who's one of uh, the Suns' best players as well. So uh, Gold Coast Suns are going to be my – of course, I'm Richmond, but I'm going to have Gold Coast as my second team. In fact, we've got a third, um, we've got a third player who's a teacher at our school as well. You've got to go to Gold Coast in this competition, mate. Because, do it. Yeah, do it because you've got – as I said, you've got that affiliation with them and – I want to. I I do think that the Gold Coast Suns women's uh, team, and I went and saw them against Richmond last year. They had a ton of support at Metricon, and that could be the fillet to make them a club. 
as opposed to just a men's team and a women's team. The support there was amazing, John. So get out there, mate, and when you can, and I think you'll have an absolute ball. Oh, it's exciting. I'm really um, looking forward but, to it, man. So there you go. We've got we've got a, a, a genuine interest, and we'll push them all the way. And I, I, all the best. There's no chance they're listening, but uh, Maddie and Lucy, I hope you absolutely kill it. I'll tell you what, in future years, mate, maybe we can look at even uh, helping sponsor, get a few people on and, and we'll sponsor one of the players because you can sponsor AFLW players. So maybe we'll do a fundraiser and, and, and sponsor a Gold Coast girl. Yeah, why not? And yeah, um, cool. help their, I, I, think, I think we should. I think we'll help them progress. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, mate, I'm really looking forward to seeing the AFLW. I think they've got the right format for the first time since it's kind of been implemented. Mate, on to, on to another one of football. The EPL has really, and I'm sorry, mate, we touched on Newcastle and I know how hard it is for you, but my God, we've got an exciting competition right now. Um, Man City, who we've been talking about the last few weeks, they're on top of the ladder right now. And a few weeks ago, I think they were eight or nine points off. Yeah. Look, that's why I love having Pete on because he's got fingers in, on, on everything that's happened and he he just watches. i got to be honest, you know, for me, I I just... I'm so invested in my own joint that yeah. when the wheels come off, as they inevitably do at this time every year, um, and we're fighting it out for Mike Ashley's favourite ladder position, which is 17th, so the least amount of money without getting relegated, um, I just... Yeah, I actually almost want to um, start come to tears with how bad it is. And I, we, I've said it all year. I said it's a great competition. It's wide open and stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm not going to be watching those games right now because I can't even bring myself to watch ours. I could not watch this morning. And I've been That's there. How I, I was there when... Mate, I was there when Villa last got relegated. It was almost impossible to watch games because it wasn't just that you were losing. It was the fact you weren't even in the games. And your last two games, and I've seen both, um, your team wasn't even in the chase. You weren't even in the hunts. Uh, I think today was one of your best efforts in a long time. And even then, you know, everyone's talking about how bad leads were. Um, there are some good news stories. West are still continuing to fight. They're three points off top. West Ham, the surprise packet in fourth. Uh, uh, point ahead of Liverpool. Of the year. Um, I hope that Leicester win the title. I always said that last week. Look, I, I think that City now have won five in a row, and I think they've won eight of their last nine, potentially uh, nine of their last nine in all competitions. I think they're going to be extremely hard to beat now. They got, you know, Their goal difference is plus 23. They just seem to be scoring for fun. And they've only had 13 goals scored against them in 19 games. That's Jeez. something that people aren't so People are not talking about that. All I'm hearing about is, you know, they've got their boots on again. But they've had less than a goal a game kicked against them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I have heard no pundits talk about Man City's defence. So I'm finding that mind-blowing. I, I think they're not getting enough um, credit for that in that regards. Uh, Liverpool, seven points off the top, played the same amount of games. I think their title chase is done and dusted. I reckon they're in big trouble. Yeah. Any thoughts, oh, Seven points is... You know, I think the way that the year's gone and look, you know what, you can't ride out a COVID scare or anything like that. Uh, mm. I would be playing it right out till till the end, I think. I would love to be seven points off the 
<laughs> off the top of the ladder. And I would be thinking if I was seven points in a, in the same, I'd be thinking, yeah, and that that's only a couple of good results for us and a, and a drop point here, a drop point there. Something bad goes wrong in Europe for one of the teams. Um, you get a COVID scare. You know, that's that is not an impossibility. That no, it's certainly uh, not. We've said that. I've said this before that you can directly correlate Newcastle's complete and utter um, collapse as a as a football team this year to the coronavirus coming in and how lucky they are that it was us that got it, right? And going through the players and the coaches and the support staff and plenty of them had it. And we have not fired a shot since it turned up. And if you look at how long people supposedly have this thing, they're saying it takes people, you know, if you get any kind of dose of it, it's taken, you know, six weeks to two months for people to get rid of the effects. It's certainly taken like two months to get rid of it because it's exactly two months since we got it. Well, our club wasn't ravaged the same as yours, but we were one of the clubs. Uh, five of our first team um, have COVID, and they've reported that they're still having issues, um, you know, breathing issues and so forth when they're playing. They don't feel like they've got the full lung capacity. I'm not making any excuses for my club. I'm just explaining that. <laughs> I am. Um, oh, no, you do, because it... it, it, it we know what it's done to the North and we know what it did to your squad. But our squad was only hit, when I say only hit, but five players were hit. And if you think about that, they've got, you know, families and grandparents and friends and everything, it is bloody scary of, you know, what could happen to the rest of society. Um, but look, um, a, friend of our, a friend of our pod, normally on here, uh, hasn't been for a while, Sean, his team leads uh, on 26 points. Um, he's just seen an, an, another $50 million um, extension through um, San Francisco, increasing their percentage, San Francisco 49ers, increasing their percentage in the club. I must be wrong here, John. I know $50 million is a lot, but when everyone was talking about this massive increase that um, the 49ers were going to give, I must be misreading it because that doesn't seem as big as what everyone's making out, that it's a massive game changer. And Maybe I'm just completely misreading the situation. Well, it's a percentage um, stake, isn't it? I mean, 50 million of anything is a lot. Yeah. Bear yeah. in mind that when yeah. Newcastle was going to be sold or bought or whatever you want to call it uh, during the off-season, the, the asking price there was £330 million. Pounds. So that's one-sixth of that. Yeah, that's a lot of. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it. I I sent you guys earlier in the week a um, a table or last week a table of what clubs owe, um, and that's probably why I'm so excited as a Villa supporter. We've just signed someone, one of the only clubs we've signed a guy who's been playing Champions League for Marseille. He's a midfielder um, on the verge of the French squad. We've signed him for fifteen million. Um, Sanson um, looks like a very good player, gives us extra depth, and our club owes no money at all. So it's funny how football works, isn't it? We get relegated, we're, we're going down divisions, financial fair play. We don't get relegated, the money's, there's, our owners are very well off. And, you know, I'm not saying we're going to be a top four team, but it, the, the vagaries of football, isn't it? We go down, we're in all sorts of trouble, we've stayed up by the skin of our teeth. And now the future's looking bright. Football is just such, you know, symptomatic of life. I well, think. what was the um, – getting a bit I, – I can't remember seeing that table. So what was the relative who owes the most, who owes the least? Like who's 
Yeah, you'd be surprised. The teams like, um, you know, I'll have to go back and look at the table, but teams like Tottenham and so forth who, who've, you know, really put a lot of money on on playing regularly in Europe own a fair bit, um, you know, and some of the some of the mid-sized teams or lower teams down the ladder have spent a lot of money as well. Um, we'll, we'll revisit that and we'll put it up on our page, but it was just really surprising to see some of the teams that have only just come back into the Premier League that are actually doing well, not owing money. Um, so we'll get that up on our page. We'll have a wider discussion about it next week. Um, but if you can tell me the rules of financial fair play and turnover and everything um, succinctly, I'd love to hear it because it, it doesn't seem to make sense. Half just call me Mr. Infanti. I've got no idea. <laughs> No, no, very much so. But I know you're not. I know at the moment it's very hard for you. But um, look, you talked about recently runs. Arsenal's up into eight. They've had four wins and a draw. And you have constantly said that it only takes a few results. And if you look at the top uh, four at the moment, they haven't lost in the last five games. So the minimum that any of the teams have got has been eleven points in their last five. Mm. So they really are starting to spread out. And that's where I know you say they, they're not out of it, but Liverpool have got three points in their last 15. Uh, sorry, three points out of a possible 15. So, you know, who knows? I think they've got a pretty easy game coming up, though. Um, uh, yeah, really easy game. They've got Tottenham on Friday. So if they lose that... Whew, well, that's a huge game. Not, that's uh, a huge game, both clubs. That is an absolutely massive game. Huge ramifications for that game as mm. well. Man United have their chance to go back top. They're playing Sheffield United uh, tomorrow morning. Burnley take on Villa. Burnley have a good record of keeping uh, Villa goalless. So that's going to be interesting to see if we can break them down. And another massive game for ramifications of the top four. Everton taking on Leicester. So some, some really good games coming up. And um, then you've got Everton on uh, Saturday night, mate. So I'm really hoping you get Well, I'm in that horrible that. position where I'm really sweating on the those those teams squashing like Sheffield United and Burnley. And and, and I would not normally do that. I would always no. be looking for the underdog to get a win. But quite frankly, at the moment, I, I can't be doing that. I can't be worrying about anybody else's stuff. I've got to worry about us. Hopefully we get to stay up with 22 and- points. Well, you just look tired. You just look re- and and you said about COVID. You just look absolutely shattered right now. Um, really quickly, I know you probably haven't been watching a lot of A League this season. It's been really hard to watch, but the, the 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 good news continues. Central Coast, who I tip to be bottom of the ladder, uh, three wins out of four. Uh, we've got Adelaide United, and I tell you what, I watched um, one of my first non-raw games from start to finish the other night, and it was, oh, it was just one of those victory beat Perth Glory after trailing 1-0 and scored two goals late. The atmosphere at the ground, the, the kids were watching the last 10 or 15 minutes with me, right? Hoping that the game would finish and they could watch Minecraft on YouTube <laughs> or something. And um, really, honestly, they were. And even they were like out of their seats because the crowd noise, they're like, is that, is that what they're like? Melbourne victory when they're going well, their noise to me, is similar to uh, any team around the world. Because, honestly, they had half a crowd there, and it sounded fantastic. At Amy Park? And I'm not a victory... It was at Amy Park, and I'm not a victory supporter at all. You know That's because that. it's a great crowd. It really... Oh, and it made me believe in the A-League. I know it sounds silly, but it was a classic football game. 
late goals, and the crowd was going nuts. They are a bloody good supporting. They're they're well supported. I, I look. I don't like victory because I'm a Brisbane Royal supporter, but I have to give it. They are a proper football club to me. Oh no doubt. I mean, I think they're. I think they're a. a, a you can't use the term, but a, they're one of the marquee teams in the in the comp. I don't think the the ground, Amy Park, really helps. But then the other Melbourne teams play there too. Yeah, so it's yeah, they're a great bunch. I like games out of Hindmarsh. Oh, Hindmarsh is. Have you been to Hindmarsh? Yeah, I have. It. Oh my god! I love mm. that. I love going to games here, and I, I went to quite a few games when I, I I lived in Adelaide, and it is a real football ground. It was yeah. a football ground from beginning to end. I like home, but and, I've been to I, I enjoy Amy. I've been there for um, for league, union, and football, and I just yeah. think it's one of the best grounds in the country for watching all three of those sports. Well, I've been to uh, I've seen in Newcastle. I've seen Newcastle play the Raw. Because uh, you can actually drive there if you choose to with people, mm-hmm. you can fly there obviously. And and I really enjoyed watching games there. Um, the one ground I've been to rugby league and uh, football at is Cogra. Great for rugby league and absolutely horrendous for football. Uh, so I've been to a few of the games and I've been to Amy Park to see the, the Victory beat the Roar every time I've ever been there. Um, so you know there are some really good football. Cogra is an awesome see, place uh, to watch. Um... Uh, rugby league. I've not seen football there at all. Yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen rugby league and football, and the rugby league really works. It does not work for football. It is just the atmosphere just fades away. Is that Sorry, because mate? of a lack of a crowd? It could be the lack of the crowd, and it just—I I don't know. I, I, it just didn't. I feel love the right, hill, man. Man. and that was when, it's a great uh, place to stand and watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've been lucky enough to see some Melbourne Storm wins there as well. Uh, walk up from the local pubs has always been a bit of fun. But look, the A-League is, um, this is probably the best standard of A-League I've seen in recent years. Um, so if you are not a follower of the of the national t- um, competition, I'm not saying that you should. But if you like football, you could do worse and turn on like a, a Wanderers game or, or a victory game. And, and this year, uh, the Raw. I think they've recruited sensationally, both locally and with a couple of Japanese players as well. The Raw are very good value to watch, so um, we'll keep an eye on the A League as it progresses. Yeah, as well. it's good to see. It's good to know that it's it's in good hands and it's going well. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be checking into it. I mean, now the NFL's done, I'll be doing a bit of a deeper dive into the A League because there's not really much else to watch. I'm gonna have to start watching the every it, week. It, it, well, if we can just go back um, just a moment with uh, EPL. Uh, Matty Ryan um, has gone um, to yeah. Arsenal. Which, I was going to say, he's at Arsenal, isn't he? He's at Arsenal. And, I mean, look, people can say what they want. That For a lot of players, that is an absolute dream come true. Imagine you're going to be the keeper. Um, you know, only a week or so ago... Um, People were bemoaning the lack of Aussies playing in the Premier League and stuff like that. And, and I believe uh, Southampton had uh, a young Aussie debut for them today. Um, I think he was 17, maybe 18 years of age. Um, so I'll try and get his name for the next podcast. I feel pretty bad. We needed uh, Pete on the podcast as the expert. Um, but certainly, um, 
Yeah, Caleb Watts, 19-year-old, he he debuted for Southampton this morning, a, a young Aussie. So this is where maybe the, the football media need to do a bit more research when they say there's no hope for Australian football and stuff like that. And then a guy, what he debuts for a top 10 team. In if Australia, anyone doesn't believe, if you, if you are following, if you say you're a football or a soccer fan, whatever you want to call yourself, and you don't think that playing for Arsenal is one of the greatest possible destinations you could come up with, as a player, then you're a buffoon. Totally agree, mate. You know, you don't have to like Arsenal to recognise that they are one of the the big teams in, in the football, one of the sport. traditional teams. That's yes. it. Okay, yes. That. And, uh, so well done, Matty Ryan, um, to go to a, a bigger club um, when he was basically frozen out at his previous club. And I'll guarantee he'll work his absolute socks off to uh, make the most of this opportunity. So... Well done to the Aussies in the EPL and, and all around Europe. There's so many more footballers playing their trade in Europe than, than we can ever do, um, imagine. So we'll get Pete on in coming weeks to give us a bit bit of a rundown of what's happening in Europe mm, as well. He knows everything. Uh, he is magnificent. So we, we miss you, uh, Pete. We did need your expertise. Uh, anything else touching your fancy in sport this week? Nah, man. I, I, I want to be... Positive, but I had one of the worst weeks I've ever had following sports. So I can't put it any more succinctly than that. So I want to do anything else. I made a point this week so far going to school and uh, I've been listening to music. There's been a lot of metal coming out of Mr. Maitland's car on the way into school um, rather than sports podcasts. So it's been a good weekend for metal downloads. You you have fantastic metal taste, mate. My my taste is a bit more eclectic than uh, a little bit. When I say eclectic, um, probably not as heavy as yours, but uh, I do love when you put up your. your I, I listen to a lot of stuff you put up on Facebook. I go, oh, I forgot about that band, and I and I love that. I love that about music that your mood takes you to different places. So, mate, pleasure having you on the pod again uh, as my co-host. Um, look, honestly. People, please, you want different sections covered. We get feedback. If you want things, there is no issue in putting what you want us to speak about. We'll try our best to talk anything about sport, whether it's netball, whether it's uh, probably not tennis because John's uh, not... No, I could talk tennis. I could could have talked tennis tonight. But, like, I tell you what, I do hope for whoever our two listeners are out there that they've enjoyed the roller coaster of the NFL season with me. And you, um, yep. I think it's been an incredible year. I want to take my hat off to the NFL as an organisation for getting it done in COVID. I've thoroughly enjoyed every moment of the year, except for the last one minute. Well, we, we're going to do a Super Bowl. We'll do a Super Bowl special and we'll, we'll go right through the ins and outs. Uh, we love the sport. Um, we'll look forward to the draft as well. So we'll do a draft special. I think it's going to be um, a quarterback and wide receiver heaven as it normally is. But I'll tell you what, you get a good offensive line, you can make an ordinary quarterback look pretty good. So don't underlie, you know, with, with those people who follow the NFL kind of, and they go, no, you've got to get a quarterback, you've got to get a wide you receiver. You can't put a window if you don't have a window, my friend. 100%. And those offensive linemen, oh, my God, they are worth their weight in gold. And it's like having a front row in rugby league and rugby union. You, you can't win without it. 
Well, especially in especially in rugby union. I mean, you've seen what's happened to the Australian team in recent years. We we win a scrum and you panic because you're going to lose the ball in two seconds. So totally. Um, look, it's been another been another fantastic week. Love love you being the co-host, mates. And uh, you can get John at Lambic Peach. You can get me at Paul underscore Football on Twitter. Uh, I'll respond to everything. John will just watch. This has been the Love Sport Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I was Paul, your host. Get me on Twitter at Paul underscore football and John at Lambic Peach on Twitter. Uh, you can join us on Twitter at the Love Sport Podcast and also on Facebook on the Love Sport Podcast Network. Ah, sport. Whether it's bad or good, it's always a lovely day. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Thank you.